And ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 14 of Peter's Content-Free Podcast, Season 1, Volume 1, Compendium, One Still. Hope you're all doing well today. Today we have with us a special guest, uh, myself, and also in the studio, myself, the host, Peter Draws. Let me start out by talking about something significant that happened since the last time I made one of these podcasts. Episode 13 happened, and now episode 14 has happened. And between those two times, I have, I'm happy to announce, or I mean, it's not like, I didn't have a kid or anything. What happened was, I got LASIK surgery. I'm not, I mean, I'm not that happy to announce. I mean, I don't know why I said that. I made it sound like it's a, a different sort of event. But yes, I... How I like to say it is I got my glasses surgically removed from my face. Uh, first thing, I'll, ex I'll explain to you what happened. The first thing that happened was around fourth grade. At some point in my life, I realized, well, it was fourth grade, and I realized that I had to be in the front of the room uh, to see what the teacher was writing on the board. I had to be sitting in the front row of the classroom. Of course, I was usually sitting in the front row of the classroom anyways because I was a goody two-shoes who wanted to be there and learn stuff. And, uh, you know, when I raised my hand, I wanted the teacher to see it and call on me. I didn't. Ra I don't think I raised my hand very much, but I was paying attention usually. Uh, I was on top of it. I wasn't the ones, you know, sitting there in the back of class, you know, whispering back and forth, passing notes and stuff. I never, I was, I was never that person. I was, I was pretty boring and nerdy. Anyways, I couldn't see very well. I couldn't see who peop what people's faces were if they were far away. And so I remember getting glasses. I remember being, you know, walking out of the optometrist for the first time in my life, being able to see every individual leaf on the tree. I think I've talked about that before. It's like just one of my very vivid memories. We walked out of the mall because there was a lens crafters in the mall. Uh, and... I still remember my optometrist there had very curly red hair. She looked kind of like Miss Frizzle. Anyways, fast forward uh, quite a while. I wore glasses for a long, long time until I was in high school where I was, I was tired of the glasses I had. I thought they looked, made me look, I was already kind of a lanky, nerdy, uh, you know, maybe slightly un- I just wasn't the coolest looking dude, and then I was tired of my glasses also, because I thought they're not the coolest glasses ever. Like, lately when I've been wearing glasses, I've been wearing, like, those Wayfarers. I was just wearing, like, some dumb, nerdy kind of looking wireframe glasses, you know. Hey, shout out to you if you're wearing the wireframes. You're rocking them. You look great. But I wasn't, I just wasn't very comfortable in them, okay? That's all I'm trying to say. I wasn't, uh, I could have rocked them. I was just, like, a little... Anyways, so also I was on a soccer team for a few years in high school and I guess instead of getting me contacts, my, I guess it would be cheaper to, I wore those sports goggles. I did. I was a big, I was very dorky out there in the field. I, I played, de I like playing defense for soccer. First of all, because I have these vivid memories from like fifth grade when we'd go out there and the re for recess and we'd play soccer and Everyone there, everyone would just like mass to the ball and there would just be like a, just like a, like a thick ball of people struggling and fighting around the ball. And then eventually the, the ball would just kind of shoot out of the side of the mass of people while trying to get the soccer ball and shoot in one direction down the field. And then it would, everyone would race after it. <clears throat> my, my technique I, and it was stressful to me because it hit just whoever was fastest from one team to the other, you know, it could it could very easily score a goal because someone just had to run after it faster than everyone else and kick and score. There was no defense usually. So I appointed myself to be the guy that would wait between uh, that mass of people arguing over the ball and the goal and the goalie, you know. So I kind of appointed myself as a defender when no one else was giving themselves positions, I guess. So I... I'll even all throughout high school later, I played as a defender, and I was out there on the field wearing my sports goggles, uh, which worked pretty good, but they, I mean, I wasn't out there to look good, but I didn't even really play good either, even though I, 
I did run fast. I was one of the fastest runners on the team, believe it or not. And I was co-captain my senior year, somehow. My team was not very good. We made it to playoffs my senior year, and we went to a local... We, we drove all the way to the mountains. We went to play a playoff games on the App State practice fields, which was cool. It was like AstroTurf. It was so cool. We loved it. But we only made it to the playoffs because a couple of our the people we were up against... Uh, a couple of those high schools like forfeited and stuff. Like I don't, we might have won one game fair and square, but most of the time, most most of the other high school teams completely swept the field with us, wiped the field, whatever. They slaughtered us. I remember teams that were doing so well against us, uh, their coaches were getting mad at them, and they were like telling their teams like not to score so much, and they would keep scoring, and the teams were having to like run laps. Uh, during halftime as punishment because they were scoring too much. And then I remember one, one team we played that was like, one school that was like really, like the best school in the county, you know. At, at, after halftime, their their coach told them they were only allowed to shoot from behind half field. And I think they still scored a couple more times. I didn't play that game. I was on the sidelines. I had just cut my thumb while trying to open a, open a Mexican Coke bottle with another Mexican Coke bottle and it had shattered in my hand. So I was just kind of, I was a bystander for that massacre. Anyways, we somehow got to the playoffs. And, of course, we were completely outclassed. But we were, we totally enjoyed the game, of course. But the first half, the other team scored 10 goals, and we scored zero. And so then, after that, somehow their coach comprised um, some incredible cocktail of all their worst players maybe they put on put all their water boys and stuff on i'm not sure and we had all our best players on for the second half and they somehow had all their worst players on for the second half and we did manage to keep them from scoring anymore and we also scored another goal so at the end of the day we lost 10 to 1 and we went home uh happy we were just glad to be out on a trip together you know you know the team the boys out in the mountains at App State, it was cool. We 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 never you know because we never even expected to make it that far. We were just having a good old time of it. Anyways, why was I talking about soccer? Um, oh yeah, because oh yeah, eventually though, wait, some somewhere at some point I did get contacts though. My mom, I convinced my mom to let me get contacts if I paid the difference. Of the cost difference between having glasses and having contacts because the problem with glasses is they pretty much last forever once you buy them in contacts you have to keep on buying you know like like, like i guess regularly they're like monthly you know you gotta buy like a sub a subscription because you've got to keep getting a supply because the contacts don't last forever um so I, I got contacts eventually and uh i wore contacts for like three or four years i think before i started getting tired of contacts again um, and I switched to glasses, and that's when um, I just went to uh, some glasses place, and I was like, yeah, I need to get glasses. And I grabbed the Wayfarers off the shelf, and they put those in my prescription, and I wore the Wayfarers for a very long time. I got all, like, the plus, like, all the add-ons for those. Like, you can check so many boxes when they're asking, like, what do you want for glasses? You know, like, anti-glare, stress eye stress reduction, this, that, this, that. Like, you're like, is all this really necessary? Like, does this actually do anything, or is this just another, you know, $15 box I'm checking? And I, they know that I don't know what it is, but I don't want to risk, you know, my eyes getting fried out of my head because I didn't check a $15 box, and I went outside for 10 hours. But then you think about all the people that don't even have glasses, but then you think, wait, maybe your eyes are extra vulnerable because you do have glasses, so you need that. I don't know, it's strange. Like, light does weird things bouncing through other things, and then there's your, there your eyes are, and... <sighs> I just don't know. Anyways, I got the Wayfarers, wore them for a long time. Ray-Bans, you know, I had... So I invested, and those glasses lasted forever. And then... I finally pulled the trigger. I've been thinking about it for a long time. Then I was just tired of thinking about it, right? I don't know if it was really the best thing ever to do, except that the wonderful thing about doing it is that I stopped thinking about doing it. Because I don't, I don't know, it's just like a difficult thing to put out 
out of my mind. It seems like so simple and good and convenient to just not ever have to worry about, you know, wearing glasses again, except for, you know, maybe later when I eventually, you know, you know, I'm not made of adamantium or anything. I, my eyes will continue to degenerate eventually and I'll need reading glasses, right? But hold on to that thought. Uh, so, but I was like, just, why not just get rid of the glasses altogether? And then I'll be able to, you know, get non-prescription glasses and wear whatever I want. You know, accessorize a little because it's expensive to get different prescription glasses and it's a pain, you know, because they're, it's, I don't know. So I was like, whatever, I'll just do the LASIK surgery now. And so I did it. I went to a little prescription, I mean, a little, what's the word, um, appointment to see if I had good eyes because apparently, you know, like they take all these sorts of measurement to make to see if you're a good candidate. And they said I was a good candidate. And, uh, so then I came back another day, and then another day, and on the third day, they fried my eyes with a laser. I just like went in there. They told I popped a Valium beforehand that they gave me, they gave me Valium, and then uh, I lay under this. I lay down on this seat, and uh, they just started like wiping my eyes. Like they put some stuff around my eyes, some sort of anesthetic or anesthesia, antiseptic. Or something, you know, something. I did something. I just lay there, and then they put, they swung this thing over my face, like this big, heavy mechanical arm with some lights and whirring things in it. And they're like, "Yes," yeah. they're like, "You should see a blinking uh, red light in there." And just keep looking at that. So I just kept looking at that uh, for about the next minute and a half. And first they did one eye, then they did the other. My left eye first. Uh, just kept staring at this blinking red light. Um, he kind of, he kind of walked me through everything he was doing as he was doing it. Like, he's like, I'm, I'm going to feel me wiping your eye with this now. Just keep staring. A few air, he, he, uh, just like, it seemed like he was just kept on putting eye drops in there. Just like, bloop, bloop. Then maybe like, I couldn't really tell. Cause after a few eye drops, you know, everything gets a little blurry. And I just kept on staring at this light, maybe a couple eye drops. And I it seemed like he was maybe like gently dabbing my eye with a, like a Q-tip or something, but I couldn't really tell what was going on. The weirdest, maybe the, one of the weirdest parts was when he like, it felt like he was barely pressing on my eye a little bit and then I couldn't see out of that eye. But he's like, you won't be able to see here for a moment. And then he like, I felt like just the tiniest bit of pressure and that eye just went black, which was weird because I still had the eye open. Like that had never happened to me before. It was just weird. And then they were like, I was just, like some lady over on the other side started counting down from 35 and this red light was like just blinking and whirring at me and I was just staring at it and everyone was just standing around for 35 seconds as she counted down from 35 by fives and then they went and did the second thing the same thing over on my right eye some drips and drops and wiping and a little bit of pressing and staring at this red light except on my right eye as we waited for 35 seconds I smelled a distinct burning smell, which was very interesting. Uh, very interesting. But it wasn't bad. It wasn't, it was like, I just didn't expect it, but I should have expected it because I knew it was like laser stuff, right? And it was my eyeball. Anyways, right after all that was done, I got up and immediately uh, I could see. It was like a little bit blurry, but it was already like a million times better than normally without my glasses. And then we went into some other room and the lady gave me uh, another Valium and a Percocet. And uh, I went, I texted my friend to come pick me up and and I went home, passed out. That's about it. And I woke up, I could see, I passed out some more. And I went in the next day and they said I had like 2015 vision or something, I could read the bottom row on the little line chart. And I was like, oh, sweet, you know, that, that gave me all these eye drops to put in, regiment, a, a legitimate regiment of eye drops, all these different bottles and stuff. I pretty much used them all up by now. And everything is going good. I'm still experiencing every now and then, uh, like some slight halos or I can't, I can't remember what he called them, like late at night, dark places. If there's like a light that like kind of flares up a little bit, like the light, there's like a glare around it, kind of like a, a thing J.J. Abrams puts on everything, 
like a lens flare, but not all the way across, just like one flare. Um, and the other day I actually went and I was, I think I was, they're like still in the process of healing, right? Cause they did, they did like put like a mining laser on my eyeball and I just used my Superman laser vision to stare right back at it. And he said it could take up to 60 to 90 days for it to heal completely. I used to, I don't know. I think the, what I'm worried about right now is I think I was supposed to go back for another follow-up. And I don't remember when that was supposed to be. I was, I should have put it in my phone, but they probably gave it to me on a piece of paper that I lost. I got to call them and see when I was supposed to go back. Anyways, I did, at one point, a couple of days ago, I was experiencing some eye fatigue when I was trying to draw. Like I was having a little bit of trouble focusing on the tiny little lines on my paper and stuff that I was drawing. And so I went to the store and I bought some, some little reading glasses. Um, I bought some plus 1.25 reading glasses and those worked perfectly. And I could perfectly see the paper after that. But then a few hours later, I realized I didn't need them anymore. I guess my eyes were just doing some weird thing. Maybe it was some weird drops I put in. And the weird thing is some of these drops, there's, I think there's one in particular that I put in the eye drops, they give me a very weird, uh, nasty, bitter taste in my mouth, which really puzzles me as, cause I'm, now I guess the tear ducts or eyes and your mouth are connected somehow because I've seen pictures and videos of people swallowing or put, putting milk in their mouth and then squirting milk out of their tear ducts. Is that real? I just realized that might not have been real, but I am telling you that when I put these eye drops in my eyes, I get a bitter taste in my mouth. I thought I was imagining it first, but it happened too consistently too many times. And I'm just imagining these eye, drop, eye drops like seeping into my eyeball and seeping back into my optic nerve and down my spinal column and somehow getting into my mouth. I don't know how it works, but it's a very weird, bitter taste. I have to drink like some coffee, you know, bitter goes with bitter. It just kind of covers it up. Yeah. Mm hmm. Oh, what else happened to me? But my eyes are they're coming along nicely. But while I have a, I've, I'm slowly adding, you know, I've got like some little, uh, like glasses I've bought. So I can wear whatever glasses I want now, you know, like pres pres non prescription glasses. Like you can buy them for like six bucks. I bought some, I have like a little collection. I get like a little, a little box or something to put them all in. I bought them all for like six to 12 bucks each. I can wear sunglasses so much easier now. Cause that was one, that was another thing that really bothered me. It's so hard to wear sunglasses when you, when you have prescription glasses, it's just a pain. There's a few different solutions, but none of them are that easy or convenient or elegant, except for the clip-ons. Those are truly elegant. And wonderful. Oh, what else did I do? Um, did I tell you guys about, I went to Canada. I went and visited some family in, in near Vancouver, BC, but like a little ways out, like an hour, maybe hour and a half or two kind of out of Vancouver. They're not in the city. Um, kind of near mission BC roundabouts there. Went and visited them for, for like a week at the beginning of, this month or something. I don't know what month it is right now, but yeah, it was good. Um, there was like some family events and lots of aunts and uncles and cousins and grandparents that I hadn't seen in like 15 years. The, some of these, some of these years really go by fast and it was really cool. One thing I noticed that was really cool is that, well, like I had met a lot of these aunts and uncles before and I felt like I knew them and I liked them. Right. But I had been like a kid, like a, some sort of like teenager before, but now I felt as a, I'm 27 and it, this is a cool thing about being an adult is that you get to sit around and just have regular adult conversations. I don't know. There's something you definitely notice. I don't know why I'm pointing this out, but it's, I thought I felt interesting. I felt good. It feels good when I notice it other times. I don't, I don't, maybe I don't notice it other times because it's not such a harsh difference that I've noticed, but the last memory I have of them is being a kid around them. And now this next memory I have of them, 15 years later being an adult 
around them and having adult interactions with them instead of, ch- you know, being a child around them. It's cool, just hang out, being, you know, just talking and chilling, I guess. I don't know. We played a lot of board games. I What I didn't plan out for in, Chic- in, in Chicago, in Canada, was the fact that I wouldn't be able to use my phone, right? Because uh, well, I could have used my phone, but there's like all these extra charges for international stuff. I didn't think that out. And then the place I went, uh, they just moved there and it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, they don't, they didn't have Wi-Fi, And so I was totally, totally cut from connection with the outside world, you know? I barely touched my phone I did for five days. I didn't touch my computer at all. And at first I was like, what am I going to do? What? You know, this is, what if something, what if there's like some important emails or something or important message? But then after like a, after like one day, I totally forgot about it. Like I wasn't even looking at my phone to try to check it. I didn't even think about checking my email or what emails could be coming in. And it was very fresh and liberating and refreshing to not be just like looking at my phone and stuff all the time because there was nothing there anyways. I could play like some dumb offline game on my phone or something. Take pic- I did have my phone out sometimes for taking pictures of stuff, which is good. You know, can you guys imagine? It, I mean, can, isn't it crazy how much better cameras have gotten just on like phones and stuff? And people used to carry around like little digital cameras, and now like even just like our cameras on our phones are so much better than those. I don't know. Technology is crazy. It's amazing. It's cool. <laughs> Anyways, and then even when I got back, I. We flew from Vancouver to Salt Lake City. We're getting a connection back to Charlotte. And, you know, I like, you know, turn airplane mode off when we're landing. I'm like, okay, let all the messages roll in. What did I miss? Who's, you know, like going crazy, you know? And then you realize, you know, five days passed and nobody even noticed that you dropped off the face of the earth for five days. Nothing important happened. Nobody nobody's worried (laughs) nothing important happened without i mean everything happened without you (laughs) excuse me we get too caught up in things too sometimes i think so in our phones and technology primarily sometimes i just sitting there on my phone and i realize i'm like i've just been scrolling through reddit on my phone for like 10 or 15 minutes I've been doing nothing. Like, I haven't even really been even clicking on any of these links. Or maybe I haven't clicked on all of them, but I'm just like kind of mind numbing. I don't know. I couldn't do any of that there. It was good. We went on some nice hikes. It's just a beautiful, it's almost surreal. These, the, the scenery around there. There's like all these lush, low valleys with all these weird little farm houses scattered around. And it looks all very unplanned. It's just like, the green grass they grow like blueberries and grapes and stuff there and then like it's like flat and then like boom all these mountains just suddenly jut straight up into the air and there's snow up there and there's all these clouds pushing up against the edge of these sharp rocky mountains and i'm like what mountain is that that mountain's incredible they're like i don't know just a just a mountain there's there you know it's like it's just like an everyday thing. They're just like living in them, around them. It's, but then if you're not there all the time, it's just like this is, this looks surreal. It looks like something out of a movie. It's amazing. I went to this cool. We went to an old train tunnel. Uh, it was amazing. It's just like the coolest, one of the coolest tunnels I've ever been in, no doubt. And it, it like there was this ravine weaving through. I mean, a river weaving through a ravine through some sh- crazy sharp cliffs and stuff, and this gully. And this tunnel was shooting through all that, and you could, there were all these plaques explaining, you know, like all the crazy methods and hazards that they went through to put this railroad track across here, and you know, however long ago that was. I did. Uh, we did other stuff too. Oh yeah, we went to. I went to uh, Hope. It was this dingy little town. It's kind of depressing. There was like I only saw like three people there, and that's where they filmed the first Rambo movie, I think. And then I had never seen Rambo, so I went home and watched it, and then I was like, oh, look, that's where I was. I remember that road. 
maybe not those rocks, but I remember that road. There's cool, there's cool wood carvings on almost every corner of that town of Hope, of the town of Hope. And yeah, I mean, it's a pretty town. Like, it's pretty. There's like this little road, this little cars parked there, little shops, and then just like, just like out of nowhere, right next to the buildings, it looks like, looks like the buildings just nestled right up against these mountains that once again just shoot straight up in the sky. And if the, sometimes the clouds are right there against the mountains and you think the mountains might just keep going forever and ever up into the sky because the, the clouds obscure the tops of them. So you don't really know how tall they are. And my imagination seemed to run away with me most of the time. I think the mountains went up forever. Anyways, um, I don't think anything else. Uh, in Salt Lake City, someone recognized me. I was like walking along. I went there with my dad. I was walking along with my dad and then some other guy walking along with like his whole family, maybe his whole extended family. There was like 12 of them. And then he was like, hey, you Peter Dross. I was like, hey, yeah. He's like, hey, love your videos, man. Or something like that. I was like, hey. and I got his name. I don't remember what his name was. It's like Corbin or something. I don't remember. I feel, I feel bad if he's listening to this. Nice to meet you, dude. And then he took a picture with me. I think his sister took a picture of us. And we had similar hair and we were almost the same height. I think he was taller than me. But then he didn't, like, post the picture and tag me anywhere. Yo, post that picture, dude. Tag me. I want to see it. I mean, maybe I wasn't looking good. I think I was wearing my neck pillow around my neck, maybe. Who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe I looked a little jet-lagged. Now, I don't think I get jet-lagged going south from Vancouver to... Salt Lake City. I don't think I, I don't know if I can even get jet lag from just from one side of the U.S. to the other. I think you gotta go a little farther around the world than that. Maybe if, especially with my fractured sleep schedule the way it is, there's no jet lagging for me. Maybe I think sometimes I jet lag myself just with my weird accidental naps. Sometimes it's true. It's not jet lagging, but it's the same general result. But I solve it immediately just by sleeping, if I'm sleepy. So, just the, I just solve it. It's no problem. No problem at all. I do think it's interesting how there's some sense of community on a highway. Have you ever noticed that on long road trips? I personally prefer to drive late at night if I'm out on the highway and stuff. I don't know why. If I think it's... This might be counterintuitive, but I think it, I feel personally like it's safer to drive late at night. Um, maybe just because there's less, first of all, there's less cars on the road. And when there are cars on the road, uh, by late at night, I mean like 3 a.m. is perfect for me. You know, 1, 2, 3, 4 a.m. Around 5, people start hitting the road again to go to work, you know, like early construction workers and stuff like that. Um, but... It depends where, you know, if you're really close to a city or not. If you're, like, between between cities way out in the middle of nowhere, you know, and the exits are five miles apart. It depends on the part of the country. Anyways, everything depends on everything. Okay, but I think I think driving at night is pretty safe. Um, also depending on everything. But for some reasons, like, first of all, there's less car other cars on the road. And when there are other cars on the road, you know they're there because of their bright headlights, Right? And so you can, like, merge and stuff. I like just driving down the middle of two lanes sometimes if I want to. And I know there's no other cars around because if they were there, I'd be being blinded by their headlights. In the middle of the day, there's, like, other cars. There's tons of cars. You're, like, moving. The, the, the highway's, like, flowing along with all these cars, you know, like, swirling around each other and stuff. Uh, you know, and, you, and when you merge, you know, you want to like switch lanes or something. There could be a car in your blind spot or something. It's dangerous. Late at night, there will be, there is no such thing as a blind spot because there will just be bright headlights uh, right there. It's, so that's, I don't know. But then again, at daytime, it's safer because, you know, no, you'd probably be able to see deer that are about to jump out in front of you and, and other hazards, stuff like that. Maybe less likely to fall asleep. I don't know. I usually don't have the sleeping problem uh, because I can just take a nap in the middle of, you know, whatever, my sleep. My sleep, whatever. And I don't know what else I was going to say. Anyways, what I was going to say is there does seem to be some sort of um, temporary ramshackle 
community when you're driving on long road trips or they're during the day or at night. Sometimes people kind of speed match each other, whether you're in front or in back. If you find yourself driving uh, with someone for several miles, or sometimes I found myself driving with someone for like an hour, you know, just cruising behind them or they're just cruising behind you and, you know, you're kind of just going the same speed. You find each other there on the road and you're both comfortable with pretty much just cruising down the road at the same speed. You're going around other cars, you know, merging, staying in the left lane, you know, missing the right lane, passing in the left, going back to the right lane, cruise and cruise and you don't really know anything about them. If you look in your rearview mirror, they're just kind of like a shape behind a steering wheel. And then there's some heartbreaking moment sometimes when one of you just suddenly gets off on an exit. And in the past, that has been a little heart-wrenching for me because there's no, I don't know, it just comes out of nowhere. There's no goodbye. There's no nothing. It's just... It's just over, just like that. Sometimes if you're on the exit ramp, you're going a little slower, you can look back over the highway and actually get a glimpse of the person in their car as they continue on down the highway. And often, sometimes it's the person looks nothing like what you expected or what you're imagining. You imagine the person based on their car and how they were driving and just all sort, you know, maybe what sort of person you wanted as company. And sometimes I don't want to look. I just want to stay in that little world of imagination for who I, you know, who I wanted to have there as company on the road. I went to one little... Is, is a gas station considered a truck stop if trucks stop there? Are there things which are truck stops and not gas stations, is what I'm asking? Anyways, I went to one gas, gas station and... I really had to go because I've been driving for a couple hours and, you know, I think I've been drinking some coffee or something, which is a bad combination. And I busted into the bathroom and I just stopped and I was kind of stunned because I couldn't figure out what was wrong with what I was seeing. And there, there had been a men's bathroom, women's bathroom, and I suddenly figured out what was so weird about what I was looking at. And it was the fact that this bathroom was composed entirely of bathroom stalls. And there were no urinals. Uh, so I rushed back out of the bathroom and looked at it and looked at the other one and saw that I had, in fact, not gone into the women's bathroom. I had gone into the men's bathroom. Uh, but it's, then I realized, I mean, this is fine. But I realized how weird it was that I had never been into a men's bathroom in so long, unless it had been like an all-in-one bathroom, you know, for everybody. Uh, I hadn't been in a men's bathroom in so long, or that I could remember at all, that didn't have urinals. I was shocked. Very, well, very mildly shocked. My heart did race a little bit in the first time I walked in there. I thought I might have walked into the women's restroom. I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, of course, but just the slight moment of panic and confusion when you realize you might not be doing what you think you're doing. Like, how, how confused am I? Anyways, hope you guys have been doing okay lately. I've just been sitting around doing stuff, trying to... You know, find, there's a lot of ruts out there. Some people have already made ruts that you can kind of slip your wheel into, get lost and locked into, travel down that road, or you can kind of rump, you know, bump and tumble over the road and work your own rut into the road and get into that. Maybe a little bit more difficult, might not be a good rut, it might not lead you to a good place, a little more unsure, but it might lead you somewhere, lead you somewhere new and fantastic. Or the road, the road might be really, really hard and, and dusty and you might never really make a rut because you might, because to make a rut, you got to keep, you know, driving over the same spot over and over and over and over again. Uh, but at the same time, it's nice to explore new uh, and different things. And that's also a good way to learn and find out about other things, right? So you got to you know, there's some, I guess there's some amount of balance that is needed. I think, I think ruts 
Ruts kind of have a negative connotation, right? Kind of a negative connotation because people think, you know, get out of the rut, you know, try something new. I personally want to get stuck in a rut, but it needs to be a good rut so I can get stuck in that rut and get, you know, let it take me someplace because ruts are usually there because, I don't know, leads to town or something, leads back to the farm. Uh, I don't know. You know, you got to practice something a lot to get good at it. Get in that rut. But, I don't know, metaphors only go so far. I was, re- I was hearing about how the width of, like, even trains and train tracks that we use today are, what is it, four feet, eight and a half inches or something, five, close to five feet. And people say that goes back to, you know, how wide, you know, Roman chariots uh, were in the the ruts they were leaving in the roads because if you have if you have your your chariot or your horse horse drawn horse drawn carriage just a little bit wider or a little bit more narrow than everyone else's ruts uh, then you'll be constantly slipping and slurping up and out of everyone else's rut instead of comfortably just jumping down into it and you you know having a smooth ride down the road in their ruts you don't want to be just I guess the only way to, I don't know. Anyways, and then, um, what was I saying? Anyways, I want to be in a good rut uh, so I can make progress instead of just flailing around everywhere, right? And not making, but, you know, you want your rut to be like the Grand Canyon. John Bunyan, right? Was he the one that dragged his axe along and created the Grand Canyon in American mythology? And he had a blue ox named Babe. Maybe Babe made the Grand Canyon. I remember reading some good books by, uh, illustrated by Glenn Rounds. He's a, one of my favorite, he's a good illustrator. I always remember the way he drew hands. I remember reading a story by him of some guy that was piloting like a cruise ship. And he accidentally crashed the cruise ship into like New York City or something and just drove the cruise ship uh, straight down the middle of, a street down the middle of Manhattan, like Fifth Avenue or something. I don't know the streets there. I do remember I went to Manhattan once, and I stood on Fifth Avenue, and it was empty because of a snowstorm. I was like the only one on the whole street. Very apocalyptic, and that would have been a good time to drive a ship down the middle of the street if you were going to do it. Uh, it would have been it would have been even a little bit slipperier because of all the snow and ice. That would have been nice. Glen Rounds is good. What what's some of y'all's favorite like uh, illustrated children's books as far as even just the stories or the illustrations? Because I feel like the, the illustrations are what really sticks with you uh, as you grow older. I really wonder how much the actual stories matter because I think it'd be cool to make children's books. Um, sometimes I think to do the illustrations, I would need to you know add color to my drawings, which I don't usually do, so that discourages discourages me a little bit. But then you think about Shel Silverstein. Shel Silverstein was incredible. And he didn't add color to his drawings, right? He's very, um, I love him. I remember thinking about some of his drawings, remembering them back to my childhood, remembering, and then going and buying his books again as an adult, looking back at them and seeing that they weren't anywhere near as intricate uh, as I remembered them being. They're very, they're very simple drawings, but they capture your imagination as a child, and your that child, just the child's imagination just blows them and grows them up into so many, so much more. Right? You just have to have enough there to to pull at the little imagination harp strings, and, and it all echoes out through the acoustic chambers of the child's mind. So then you just have to think of a story or something, some little words to read along to the kid. Or for the kid to read. I don't know, but I I don't know. I, I get intimidated by the story writing part, but maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I'm overthinking it, right? Maybe I am. Maybe, I don't know. I do want to make children's books, but not too children-y. I like Edward Gorey type stuff. Edward Gorey is a big inspiration to me. Mm-hmm. All right, all right, I'm talking about nothing. Um... 
big big news large developments here on my end i did attain by way of the internet i purchased for myself one kalimba or as it was listed a mbira it was called uh, spelled m b i r a i think there are a lot of different types of kalimbas maybe more colloquially colloquially known as a thumb piano and i uh it's very fun to mess around with let you hear um okay this all right it's out of, it's uh my thumbs are out of tune okay Alright, I'm no, honestly, I'm just out of practice. I kind of like just sitting here, kind of plucking away at it with my thumb tips while I watch TV shows because it's just kind of therapeutic. Maybe it doesn't sound bad. I mean, it doesn't sound great, but it doesn't sound. Nothing I play on it sounds that bad either. Maybe it does to you guys. Anyways, sorry. <laughs> I had a little bit of stage fright there. I think it usually sounds better when I'm not playing for you guys. Like I just sound, you're just like sitting there chilling, plucking away on it with your thumbs. The next, like a first second day after I w got that thing, I woke up in the morning and I thought, why do my thumb tips hurt so bad? And then I picked up my kalimba to play it, and I instantly realized why well, my thumb tips hurt so bad. You're supposed to play it just like with your fingernail. Uh, but I usually catch a little bit of the flesh of my thumb tip in there as well. Maybe maybe bad form, maybe just my personal style. Who knows? Um, came with like a little book for playing some songs that I didn't learn. I am very good at picking up instruments and messing with them for a few days and then never touching them again for a long time until I pick them up again for a few days and then never touch them again for a long time until I pick them up again for a few days and never touch them again for a while. I really do think that drawing is the only thing I really stick with. I don't finish a lot of things. I don't follow through except for when it comes to drawing. I don't finish a lot of books. I don't finish a lot of movies or TV shows. Uh, I don't finish... I was about to say, I, I do finish most pizzas. I don't finish... Um, I don't finish college or classes that I take. I usually think I would like this class. I go like a, just like a class you can pay to do, you know. And then I, I think of some reason why, not to go. I go to only a few. Uh, this has happened at least four times where I've signed up for, for classes that last like six weeks or eight weeks, you know, and you go once a week, some evening. At least four times I've done that. Paid hundreds of dollars to go to a class only to drop out after two or three sessions. <sighs> I am thankful that I'm good at finishing drawings. I think I'm pretty good at that. I haven't finished a lot of sketch. I have a lot of unfinished sketchbooks, but I'm glad that I do have at least a couple finished sketchbooks and I'm getting closer to finishing another sketchbook. Only a few empty pages left. That was a crazy and joyous realization when I found that out. It was. Also, I can bend my knuckles very far for my, they're like hyper flexible when it comes to bending my fingers forward close to my hand like this. Like right now, all of my fingers, every inch of my fingers uh, is pressed down to my palm. Like there's no space between my fingers and the palm of my hand. And it's just, it's like weird. But then some people can bend their fingers back really far. Like if I push my fingers back, um, I can't even make a 90 degree angle. The angle between the back of my hand and my fingers stays obtuse. I can't go 90 degrees or acute. How are you guys doing with that? Are you trying right now? Try pressing your fingers back. Tell me if you get obtuse, 90 degrees or acute, or if I'm sure there's some weirdo out there some contortionist who can just press their fingers completely flat, flat back against the back of their hand. Do you guys pop your knuckles a lot? I remember when 
There was like a legit scare, and everyone was 100% sure for at least at least six months in school at some point. Everyone was 100% sure that popping your knuckles would give you arthritis uh, when you were like 80. So like popping our knuckles here in high school would, you know, what, some 65 years later give us knuckle ailments. Everyone was sure. Everyone stopped popping their knuckles, and then it so slowly filtered back down the grapevine that no, that was not true, and we could pop our knuckles as much as we wanted to no ill effects besides sometimes when you pop your knuckles too much during the day, you can feel the kind of kind of the fatigue and the discomfort, the weird ache in your knuckles. Just from, you know, you're stretching out your tendons and stuff, I guess. It's not, like, great for them, I guess, but it's not bad for them. What is that, like, what is that popping? It's... What do they call it? Cavitation? There's a uh, fluid in your joints that creates a tiny air pocket that pops and that freaks me out a little bit. I think that there is some sort of shrimp that does the t- same thing. It, like pops some part of its tail really fast and creates a tiny pocket of air in the water and it makes like a pop, like a, like a tiny little bang in the water. I saw it on a nature show once. Now you guys know. You didn't know? Maybe. Now you do know. For sure. There's a shrimp that pops. Not pop. Maybe they make it into popcorn shrimp. Not sure what kind of shrimp they use for that. I'm not brushed up. Brushed up on my on my shrimps and prawns. I don't even know what the differences are. Maybe it's just a local thing, whether you call which one which. Maybe some of the... There are some really big shrimp out there. Huge ones. Like, very impressively big. And then there's t- very tiny ones as well. I like those tiny shrimp. I also like the middle-sized ones, like the regular-sized shrimp that we get here, wherever I am. I don't know what's normal, where you come from, but where I am, the shrimp are about this big. I'm holding up my hand showing you, but you can't see, so you just have to, you'll just have to wonder. You'll just have to sit there and wonder, how big is he gesturing right now? It's about this big. And then the tiny ones, you know, are like that. Like, ooh, the tiny... Tiny shrimp and fried rice. Shrimp fried rice. Ooh, that's good. My mom would never make that. My mom did make some good fried rice when I was little, though. I grew up with good fried rice. I like, um, my favorite kind of rice, just straight up, is jasmine rice. It's a white rice. People seem to think that brown rice is better. They're probably right. But jasmine, I don't know, is that the best kind of white rice? It seems to be okay. People don't seem to try to stop me from eating jasmine rice. I like it. I put it in my rice cooker. I have a rice cooker. I try to eat the eat the rice out of there, and I put the I put the broccoli or my Brussels sprouts up there in the top, and uh, steam them while the rice cooks. Put a little bit of soy sauce on there. Mm. Have you ever had that thing where when you eat rice too fast, it doesn't seem to happen with any or any or many or any other dis- dishes that I've noticed. But sometimes it seems like when you eat rice too fast, it, it like gets clogged up or it feels like your esophagus is like having a traffic jam of um, what, I, what only I can, I can assume is rice grains. And you're like trying to swallow and drinking water, trying to wash it all down. And you're not sure, like, did it get washed down? Am I choking? Am I dying? Is it getting clogged up? Do I need to put a drain snake down there? Do I... Do I need to swallow more rice to push down the rice that's stuck there? And and it still hurts a little bit. And you're like, if it hurts, does that mean the rice is still there? Or is it hurting because uh, the muscles are still just aching from being stretched out by the rice getting clogged up there? Or is something totally entirely different happening there and nothing was ever actually stuck in my esophagus? And I'm totally just imagining things and something entirely weird and unknowable was happening with my body that I don't understand because I'm just some guy trying to sit here eating rice, and I don't understand. In the Philippines, I was also a big fan of something we called sinkamas, which I think the equivalent, or the closest thing we have here, is something we call water chestnuts, right? Does anyone know about either of these things? They don't seem terribly popular here. The Philippines, they looked kind of, I think, I remember them looking like a lot like potatoes, but on the inside, they were a lot more... They were like soaking wet. They're like very wet potatoes that uh, they're like a lot crispier. 
and crunchier to eat. You can, I remember people cutting off like long, kind of long slices that looked like they looked like raw, uncooked steak fries, uh, but they tasted so good. Like the the consistency of them was so so good to just kind of snack away on, and they were good in things like fried rice as well. Sinkamas, I like those. I, I want to have those again someday. I hope they're as good as I remember. Maybe, but you know, you never know. Some of those things you had when you were little, they're better left in nostalgia land. Like I'm right now, I'm thinking about Tang, and I'm thinking about like those those plastic juice bottles with the twist off tops that would leak a little bit as soon as you twisted them off. Like the they had like the weird horseshoe shaped lids. What's up with those lids? Why are they shaped like that? Just so they're easy to twist off, easy to grab. I think the problem with those now is that they would be way too sweet for me. It seems like children have a much higher uh, enjoyment of sweet things. Like their tongue can enjoy and tolerate sweeter things much more. It's just their little bodies need more sugar and energy and stuff. I don't know. I think there is some solid science behind uh, just their tongue being able to tolerate more sweetness. There you go. There's a scientific explanation of the scientific exp of there being a scientific explanation. And, but Capri Suns, there was never enough in that. But what's the secret there? What I haven't, I mean, how could they solve that? Right? They're like the perfect size for holding. They can't make Capri Suns bigger. That would just. It would just start getting weird, this big sack of juice. I've noticed that chip bags have gotten a lot bigger over the years. Bags of chips. I can't find it. I feel like they used to be, you know, about the size of my hand or something, chip bags. And now chip bags, it feels like every, even what I'm assuming is supposed to be an individual size chip bag because there's nothing smaller, is now the size of what I feel like the family party size used to be. And the family party size... Chip bags are about the size of my torso. But Capri Suns have stayed, stayed the same size. I remember we used to go down to a little street shop sometimes when we were in Manila. And if you bought the Coke, if you bought Coca-Cola from the little street shop, uh, they would take the Coke bottle and pour it out into like a plastic sandwich bag. And, and put a straw in the top of it, and then you'd kind of just grab the top of the bag and and the straw and hope you didn't drop it or lose even the tiniest bit of grip on the top of the bag and the straw. And then they take the, the the bottle back to recycle it, or because I guess they get a little bit of money back. I don't think I ever actually spilled a bag of Coke, but I was always very afraid that I would spill my bag of Coke. So that's a very precarious way to carry around a beverage. Just an open-topped sandwich bag. Not tied shut or anything. Just a little kid. Just a little, like, four or five-year-old. Just, just holding it like that. That's asking for trouble. You know, I feel like a kid would just very easily, absent-mindedly try to put it down on a, on a step or something. And it would just all go sloshing right out, and there would just be a soggy plastic bag lying there with a straw hanging out of the side. So sad. But I guess it did cut, cut down on some waste, except for the plastic bag. I don't know. It's good to reuse those glass bottles. Um, coffee update. I am currently drinking some room temperature coffee, a.k.a cold coffee and uh it's still pretty good it's it's drinkable lately i've been drinking pete's uh french roast that's just what i that's just my go-to i don't gotta have it i can drink other things that's just i don't you know just one of my ruts one of my habits just like how i park in the same exact spot every time i go to the post office every time i go to the burrito place every time i go to the this place and that place. I like parking in the same spot, even if, it, even if it means I have to park a little farther away to ensure that no one else will park there. Sometimes other people do park there. I just park next to them. What is really annoying to me is when someone is way over the line in a parking spot. 
so you park perfectly in the middle of your parking spot, right? Which makes you ridiculously close to them. And so you either end up opening your door and leaving yourself only a tiny sliver of space to creep out of your car. And you're like, you'll show them. You're like, I'll show them. They're going to come back to their car and uh, <laughs> they'll pay for, you know, being so far across the line of the, for, they'll pay for being such a bad parker. And uh, so you go to all this effort to get out of your car, which you parked perfectly in the middle of a parking spot. Um, you either, you know, squeeze out of your door, which you can't open very much because of their car, or you climb over to, you know, like the passenger side door or something and get out. There's nothing worse than coming back later, whether it's in a few hours, you know, because you're in a restaurant or the next day because it's at your apartment and come back to find that their car is still there. They haven't moved, but you have to go through all this rigmarole again uh, to get back into your car when it's still their fault for being such a bad parker. And it might not even be their fault because they might have been forced to park poorly because of someone else that was parking poorly first. But I think it's still mostly their fault because if that, that whole spot wasn't available, if there's someone else way over the line so much that they need to be way over the line, like I would consider that spot, that parking spot, uh, not available. Like if you have to take up, like just don't, I don't know. You, you gotta take a little bit of responsibility for your actions, I guess, you know? But still, I've that's happened to me on multiple occasions that I've like squeezed in, perfectly in my spot, the other cars, and then it, it un ends up that I just have to squeeze back into my car and leave later. No, the other people, none the wiser. They probably, and probably, they would have only had to get back, it's probably just one guy, right? He just goes and gets in his driver's side door, which has plenty of room because he's so far over to the right. I don't know, you, you guys probably are totally lost because you're not visualizing what I'm visualizing, which is fine. It's okay. All right, guys. I don't know how long this podcast is, or what you're or what you've been watching me do the whole time. I I considered um, doing a podcast where you guys look at my face while I talk the whole time, but then I realized like you guys don't get enough of this real time drawing stuff, and I like putting the real time drawings there so you see how I actually move, the speed of my actual drawings. I think it's good. I think it's realistic. The realism of it so you don't think i actually you know you know just draw just you know pour the lines on the paper um so it's i don't know i didn't do it i didn't do the video thing it's more work for me anyways i'd rather draw and show you guys drawing videos um i'm gonna go now uh i'm currently wearing my daft punk shirt some pants light blue pants I got from uh, J Crew on a found a sale on their website. I needed new pants. All my pants were falling apart. All my favorite pants falling apart. One of them had a hole in the butt from when I tried to jump over a chain link fence and it caught right uh, on my butt. Another of my favorite pair of pants, just like the middle of the crotch was wearing out. Just cause I don't know, I guess I manspread too much. And another pair, I'm actually wearing through the knee of the pants, just like, like when you, you know how you buy pants and they're distressed on the knees, you know, like pre-ripped pants? I ripped the knees of my pants, wore them out and away the old-fashioned way. I think they might look cool now, though. That's a pair of Vans joggers I'm talking about with the hole in the knee that I wore there. Um, I'm thinking about maybe putting a patch there. A patch might look cool. They might look like pirate pants then because they're joggers and, you know, and they're tight around the bottom, kind of, they're not poofy, but I don't know. I don't know what a patch would do. Should I put the patch on the inside or the outside? Hmm. Hmm. Debatable. Debatable. Anyways, I'm going to go now. I'm going to go do the drawing for this video, whatever, uh, whatever it is, it'll, it'll be. You guys like that saying? It is what it is. Well, whatever it is, it will be. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. This is, of course, uh, also on iTunes. Check out the description for links. You know, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube. I couldn't figure out how to... I tried uploading all this stuff to Spotify as well, but 
the the program the company the software the website i was working with i don't know it wasn't working i was trying to do it with distro kid cd baby cost too much let me know if you guys know of another way to get stuff on spotify besides working with an actual record label all right see you guys later love you